As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sometimes we need to take a moment and take a step back and, and get the bigger picture. There's a story that I read some years ago. It's a little cheesy, but it makes a good point. It was in a book uh, titled Acts 29 about sharing your faith. And in it, it talks about these two city workers that were working for a city about the size of Elkhorn. And the town mayor was driving through the town square and he saw these guys. One was digging a hole and the other one was following shortly behind, filling the hole back up. And so the, the mayor thought, this seems like kind of a waste of resources. He pulled over. He said, what are you guys doing? And they were very proud. They said, hey, we're part of the city's tree planting team. Normally, there's three of us, but the guy that plants the trees called in sick today. And then the second guy said, but Mr. Mayor, we showed up for work, and we're doing our jobs just like we're supposed to. Now, maybe you're laughing, maybe you're groaning, I'm not really sure, but we would all agree that these two guys probably could have spent a little bit of time when they got to work that morning stepping back and looking at the bigger picture, asking what we're actually here for, what our purpose is, which is to plant trees. And if they thought about that, they would have known that maybe their approach that day might needed to change. We laugh at the illustration, but I'm I'm afraid that it's, it's all too true for so many of us as well. Just like these two workers, a lot of us need to take a step back and assess what we're doing. How many weeks do we go through? We're so busy that we don't even think about what we're doing, and we realize that we're just digging holes and, plant, and, and, and filling them back up when maybe God has made us for something more like planting trees. And so that's leading us into what we're going to talk about today. It's our final Sunday in our series we're calling Be Still. And it's based on a command and a call by God that we find throughout the Bible. Uh, we studied the most popular passage, and it's your memory verse for this series, um, Psalm 46.10, the first week. Why don't you say it out loud with me? Be still and know that I am God. Let's say it one more time. Be still and know that I am God. We learned that first week when we studied the whole psalm that these are God's word commanding everything around us that robs us of our stillness and peace to be still. It's not God telling us to be still because we don't have the ability to be still on our own. It's like Jesus on the boat. The disciples were called to put their faith in him as he used his voice to calm the storm around them and within them. But today I want to talk about the fact that when Jesus prepared the disciples for his death and resurrection and ascension to the Father, he told them that they would go on and do even greater things in his name. That, that we're called not just to experience the stillness of God in our lives, but we're called to be instruments of God's stillness in the lives of the people around us. 
But in order to do that, we need to, to stop just digging holes and filling them back in. And we need to see where in our lives God is calling us to plant trees. And that leads us to our reading today in Matthew chapter 9. Now, I want to give you just a little bit of context in the scene. At this moment in the Gospel of Matthew, it's still somewhat early in Jesus' ministry. He hasn't even called Matthew to be a disciple yet. We're going to read about how that takes place. And yet up to this point, Jesus is already causing quite the stir everywhere he goes. He's been teaching and healing. He's given the Sermon on the Mount. And people are starting to ask a question, who is this guy? Take a look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. It says this, Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. He healed them, large crowds from Galilee, Jerusalem, Judea, and the whole region across the Jordan started to follow him. To say that Jesus was causing a stir would be a gross understatement. And there were two types of people that were asking the question, who is this guy? Uh, the first type was the people that were coming to Jesus because they needed something. They were sick or they were just overwhelmed with guilt and shame from their sin or maybe they were outcasts. But what they all had in common was that they admitted that they were digging holes and filling them back in and they knew that God had made them for something more. Something was broken and they came to Jesus to see if he might be able to fix it. And so that's the, the first type of person that was coming to Jesus. The second type of person, these were the legalists, the holy rollers, the religious leaders. These are the ones who always followed the rules and they're actually not anything different than the first type. They dig holes and fill them in too. But they're so focused on doing their holes perfectly. They dig perfectly symmetrical holes. They wear white shoes and they don't even get any dirt on them as they're digging their holes. And they're so focused on doing that one thing so well that they fail to step back just like the city workers and see the bigger picture. They pride themselves on the holes and then they go around and judge other people about the holes that they're digging as well. And that brings us to our reading today in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. Let's, let's read the first verse again. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew who was sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Now, Matthew is the first type of person asking, who is this Jesus? He doesn't have it all figured out. He's a tax collector, and in Jesus' day, nobody liked tax collectors. In, in, in our day today, nobody likes taxes, right? I hope we're not mean to those who have to collect it, uh, because back in Jesus' day, the men in, who went out and collected taxes, they collected over what the government was asking. That's the way that they would get paid. These guys, they would dig a hole, and they would fill it back in with somebody else's dirt from their holes. So nobody liked tax collectors and they didn't dig good holes either and Jesus comes to Matthew in public and he says to this tax collector come follow me and Matthew drops everything and goes and you have to ask yourself why and I think the reason why is because he knew that maybe God had made him for something better and so Jesus is calling him to follow him 
into something else. Verse 10, when Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with Jesus and with his disciples. Now, what kind of people are these people? These are the kind of people that dig worthless holes too, but they know that they need something more. Verse 11, when the Pharisees saw this, these are the guys that dig perfect holes, they asked Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners. The righteous are the guys who dig perfect holes. That's who they are. And what Jesus is saying is you can dig a mean hole all day long, but at the end of the day, it's just a hole. And, and the more focused you are on, on digging that hole as right as possible, you're never going to get that you need to step back and realize that you were made for something more. And yet these guys are complaining about the sinners and the tax collectors. And, and the only thing different about those folks when compared to the religious elite is, is that they're willing to, to ask the question, what has God called me to do? They're willing to say, maybe I am made for something more than digging holes. They're willing to admit their shortcomings. They're willing to ask Jesus for help. And the crazy thing about it is not only does Jesus sit with them and eat with them and heal them and teach them, but he calls them to plant trees. He calls them to follow him. Look again at verse 13. It says this, I have come to call sinners. He didn't just come to heal sinners. He didn't just come to feed sinners. He came to call sinners to follow him. Not only would Jesus eat with Matthew, but he would call Matthew to write a book about Jesus, this book that we're reading right now, 2,000 years later. All because he called him to follow him, and Matthew was one who was willing to ask, was I made for something more? I want to refer back to the question I asked at the beginning. I think so many of us live far too much of our lives because we're so busy and worn out and, and, and many of us deal with being perfectionists. I know that's a big issue for me in my life and what it ends up amounting to if we're not careful is a life full of digging holes and just filling them back in and I want to be here to tell you and to hear from God's word into my own heart that we were all made by God and called to do more than just dig holes. I'll share with you a story I shared a number of years ago. Uh, when we first moved into our house in Elkhorn, my, my oldest two boys, Jake and Evan, they uh, were very young at that time, and they loved helping out uh, doing all the yard work that we would do. And they, they didn't know how to do a whole lot that was helpful, but when, one thing they loved to do that they thought was helpful was they loved to dig holes. And so we picked a section in our yard and we said, you can dig as many holes in that section as you want. And we did it because it all reminded me of when I was growing up, I was just like them. I loved to dig holes. And my dad, uh, he was very meticulous about the yard of the house that we grew up in. And so he told me the only place that you're allowed to dig is back by the fire pit. It was back in the corner of the yard. And so I would love digging out there all the time. I would dig so much that, that, that it was kind of this wart in the corner of an otherwise pristine lawn. Uh, grass didn't ever even get to grow because I just constantly kept digging holes. 
Well, a number of years ago now, I was visiting a friend of mine I grew up with. He and his wife, they bought the house right next to the house that I grew up in. And so after I was done visiting, I, I'm very nostalgic. And so I drove around the block and I drove around my old house. And there's this cul-de-sac that goes around to the corner of the yard where I used to be able to dig holes. And at that point, I completely forgot about this, but, but there in that place was, was a tree that I planted all the way back when I was in first grade. When I was in first grade, we, we planted maple trees and little Dixie cups in our classroom, and we incubated them throughout a, a good portion of the year until the end of the year came right around this time, and all of us were sent home with them, and we were invited to plant them somewhere in our yard. Well, of course, guess where I wanted to plant my tree? I wanted to plant it where I was always out digging holes, and so I did. And then all these years later, I'm driving by and take a look at this picture of that tree today. That's the tree that I planted from a seed all those years ago. People probably were looking out their window in that house and wondering who's this creepy guy that pulled over and is taking a picture of one of our trees in the back of the yard. But all I could think about was, man, I'm so glad that I didn't stop at just digging holes. But God used this torn up, weedy corner of our yard to grow this big and beautiful tree that brings glory to him to this day. And friends, that's the thing about trees. See, I didn't get to hang on its branches when I was growing up. It was planted ultimately for the blessing of others that would come after me. And yet being used by God to have that kind of an impact, well, that makes it all worth it, doesn't it? Because the truth is, that's what God has put us on this planet to do. God can take up the, the torn apart, weedy back corners of our lives and he can out of them grow something incredibly beautiful that brings glory to his name as well. And so the question is, do you, you want to live a life of meaning and purpose? Do you want to bring stillness and peace to a world around us that so desperately needs Jesus' followers to do just that? Do you want to accept the call that Jesus extends to you and me, then say yes to planting trees. Trees that don't just grow, but trees that bring glory to God and point others to Him. And the way in which we are called into that is to, to pray and to ask God to show us where we can say yes to His call. And so I want to do that right now by inviting you to pray with me. Would you join together as we pray? Lord Jesus, we pray that you help us be like the Apostle Paul who wrote in 1 Corinthians 3, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. What a humble privilege it is, Jesus, that we have been called to be co-laborers, co-workers in your service. Our hope is that we would all be a people that could be used as your instruments of peace that we would be workers in your vineyard, harvesters in your field, that it would all begin with us receiving what only we can get from you, the gift of faith, 
the gift of peace, that we might hear your voice stilling the storms outside and within us so that you might give us a peace that can only come from you that we then in turn can use to give to others. Use us for this, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.